Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. We are in mid-May. NBA playoffs in full swing. NHL playoffs in full swing. A little quiet on the football front. We've got a good episode for you this week. We've got two guests. We're going to talk to Deshaun Tate. Talking all things NBA playoffs. We're going to talk some coaching. Uh, higher uh, situation with the Lakers. And we're also going to talk to Matt Zemek. Matt is the editor for USA Today, Trojan Wire. We're going to talk some NIL. We're going to talk some spring football, some USC and such as well. So good episode, two good guests. Before we get to the guests, I just want to give you a couple tidbits on a couple of nuggets that are popping up in the news. Tom Brady, 10 years, $375 million with Fox, lead analyst, replacing Troy Aikman. Will be very interesting to see uh, when this starts. As I tweeted out when this news broke, don't be surprised if the Bucks get eliminated in the playoffs early. That you see Tom Brady team up with Burkhart and probably Greg Olson for the Super Bowl this year in the booth to make his debut. Fox does have the Super Bowl this year, so it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks get eliminated early. Would Tom Brady then jump into the booth for the Super Bowl, even if he perhaps could still play another year with the Bucks. We don't know. Obviously, writing on the wall suggests this might be the last go-round with Brady with the Bucks. But as with Brady, you never know. So it depends on I think it'll be depend on how he plays this year and how the Bucks do will determine his future with the Buccaneers as far as continuing to play. So uh, we will get into that in depth with Matt Zemick a little bit later on. Also how about Rich Strike at the Kentucky Derby? 80-1. to 1. The horse was not even in the field until Friday. He was a replacement for a scratched horse. He didn't find out until Friday that he was going to be in the race. And what an unbelievable performance. Kind of reminds me of John Daly. If you remember John Daly, how he came onto the scene. He won, a, he won his, uh, his first ever major championship appearance. He was like the sixth alternate at the PGA uh, Tour uh, cha- uh, at the PGA Championship event. Uh, he was, you know, he was an alternate. He got into the field and ended up winning the tournament. So, Rich Strike, eighty to one, just blew up the Kentucky Derby. What a finish! What a stretch run! Held off a couple of the heavyweight horses. And looks like Rich Strike will head to the Preakness to see if he can back up his Kentucky Derby win. But what a performance. What a story. It was a great, uh, great story if you were watching it live. Again, 80 to 1 shot uh, to win the Derby. NHL playoffs, again, full swing. The Tampa Bay Lightning down where I'm at are on the brink of elimination, down three games to two. Two time defending champions. A lot of good first round series going on. Florida, Washington's good. Pittsburgh and the Rangers. You got 
almost all the series are three three games to two. But again, the Bolts and the Maple Leafs are the headline series here. Tampa Bay, two-time defending champions on the brink of elimination with a Game 6 on Thursday in Tampa and a Game 7 to be in Toronto over the weekend if there is a Game 7. So those are your notes as we head into our interviews. Again, Deshaun Tate talking NBA, talking all things playoffs, all four series we're going to break down. And Matt Zemek going to talk a little NIL, a little USC spring football, and some other news and notes from around the football world. So enjoy the podcast. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Twitter feed, at Sports. Love to hear from you. Let us know what you think, some topic ideas and such. And again, you'll enjoy the podcast and enjoy our chats with Matt Zemek and Deshaun Tate. We'll be right back in just a minute. We'll be back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Folks, interest rates are rising. They are on the rise due to some inflationary issues, world events and such. So if you are in the market for a home, looking to buy, looking to uh, invest in an investment property, second home purchase, beach home, vacation type home, now is the time to get your rate locked in. Reach out to me at Titan Home Lending. Anywhere in the state of Florida, I can help you. So if you're looking for a place in Key West, in Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Pensacola, anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Let's get you pre-approved for your home purchase. Also, if you'd like to refinance your home, if your interest rate is in the fives or sixes or high fours, now might be a great time to look at your options of whether to refinance would be beneficial to you financially. So again, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Feel free to call or text me anytime. I'd love the opportunity to help you anywhere in the state of Florida. Now back to the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Glad you found us. We got a great episode this week. We're going to start off. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs. We're going to talk some uh, all things NBA playoffs. Got n- nobody better to do that than my man Deshaun Tate. Deshaun's the host of the Takes Take Hoops podcast. He covers all the things NBA. He's very dialed in around the league. Talks uh, talks to big in the Atlanta area. Knows all those guys in the Atlanta area as far as the uh, the Hawks and such. Um, great guy to talk to about NBA playoffs. As we're recording this, we're in, we're deep into the semifinal round in both the uh, both conferences. We had a great game tonight. Milwaukee Bucks go to Boston and steal one late in Boston to take a three games to two lead. Boston dominating most of the game. A great fourth quarter run by the Bucks to steal Game Five in Boston. Welcome to the podcast, Deshaun. Man, I appreciate you, JP, for having me. It's it's listen when it starts to become, you know, playoff basketball. One thing a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, things start slowing down a bit. Not as much up and down, getting out in the transition and such. And you know, possession by possession, it starts to become a lot more critical, a lot more half court offenses and things of that nature. So you know, this is where you got to really start be able to enjoy. You know, it's one thing to go out there and just play. But when you go out there, you, this is the difference of who knows how to play the game. This is where those right. coaches 
make their money. This is where that experience starts to matter. This is the March madness of the NBA. And I'm uh, embracing and enjoying taking in every bit of it. Let's start. Let's start Boston, Milwaukee, Milwaukee with a huge game five win. Subtle little things. This has been, this has been a fourth quarter series. Milwaukee's blown a couple fourth quarter leads earlier in the series. Boston blew a big fourth quarter lead tonight. Just your thoughts about the, the, that series in general. Too, many people think the winner of this series is going to the finals. The Miami-Philadelphia winner is not really relevant for most, a lot of people. Your thoughts on Boston-Milwaukee through five games? Yeah, I'm not ready to go that far, per se. Um, but I think that this is, this is, this is going to be a series that's going to go seven games. Uh, I think that the other series in the East is likely one that can go seven games as well. Yeah, um, it's very interesting to see, you know, the, the, the way that uh, I always felt that in order for Boston to be successful, a lot of it is going to rely on, you know, Marcus Smart being that defensive player, Milwaukee not having Chris Middleton. Right. Uh, so how is he going to be able to defend and be, you know, productive on the offensive end as well? Because everybody knows that Smart can, is such a great defender. So. How is he going to defend a guy who is very good on both sides of the ball as well, which is a key matchup between he and uh, and Drew Holiday? Uh, and then the other one uh, matchup in, in that series for me anyways is probably like the Robert Williams, even though I know Robert Williams is down, but just coming yeah. to the series between he and the guy that won the game for him tonight, Bobby Crazy Eyes Portis. Yes. So yes. I think that this is just a contrast of styles. It's great for matchups. It's great for ratings. It's great for the NBA. I think it's going seven games. You asked me who's going to win it right now. Well, all I can remember is what I saw last. So it's starting to sound like uh, it's going to be Milwaukee. But I think Boston's going to find a, one, a, a way to come in there and steal it. And then you just, you know, roll the dice and let the chips fall where they may in the seventh game. In all these tight series, it usually is the – obviously, we expect the star players to pay really well, but it's the role players, the Bobby Portises, the Al Horfords, Grant mm. Williams defending Giannis, how mm. Derek White comes off the bench and has a good game tonight. You know, Connaughton from Milwaukee. What coach is going to pick that right role player on that particular night and that guy's going to make some shots? Portis was great tonight in game five. He was. He was. And I just love that edge that he plays with. And, yep. you know, we call him crazy eyes, crazy eyes, crazy brain, crazy Portis, you know. Yep. And I think that you got to have that on 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 every team. And, um, you know, I, I, I love every bit about the matchups that we have. I think yep. that, you know, we're starting to get to a point where I want to learn a little bit more about what is Jason Tatum made of? Is he ready to take that next step and obviously between he uh and brown as well you know two uh big time you know guys who you know probably one of the best wing duos in the whole yep. nba if not the very best wing right. duo and all the talk about you know splitting these guys down the middle and trying to divide them and all this stuff let those guys go out there and play basketball and so uh then you got the milwaukee team as well where i think that they just you know the the the, the, the matchups um, that I feel like is very critical or those players that I think is just uh, very critical for this team. Uh, I, I just, I, I really need to see certain players be able to step up and, 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 and Drew bring Holiday. that contribution. Drew Holiday yeah. from Milwaukee. Drew Holiday. Got, a score. Got, a, Got he to. He scored tonight. Got to. Got to. And so, 
This is where you find, this is where you separate where I, where I come from. This is where you yep. call separating the boys from the men. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about what these teams are made of, not only in the next game, but I think ultimately if it's going the direction, I think it will in that seventh game. Yep, I agree. I mean, it's going to be a hell, of a hell of a game six in Milwaukee. All right, let's go, to, let's go to Philly and Miami. Philly gets blown out by 35 last night in Miami. Not the most unpredictable result. Not that they got beat by 35, but you figured Miami was going to hold serve. Game six back in Philadelphia. Looked like Joel Embiid was a little bothered last night with his face. Looked like he was having some issues. Uh, didn't play very well. The whole team didn't play very well. Just your thoughts on Philly and James Harden. Is this a, is this the Harden we we're gonna we're gonna see moving forward where he's gonna be up and down or do you think Harden still can be that elite player that Philadelphia needs him to be? I think it's up and down, honestly. Um, I just think that Miami has a little bit too much when you start looking at like think about what all Miami has been able to accomplish and been able to achieve without all the headache of the star players. Is it the James right. Harden? Is it the Ben Simmons? Is it the Embiid? And, I just think that it's, it's, it's far too much in addition to the fact that, uh, you know, do what you will with the whole Doc Rivers being an overrated coach or not type of thing. Um, but when you start looking at Miami, who appears to be a lot more focused with or without Kyle Lowry, they're just a, they're a great team without Kyle. Right. Um, looking at all these things, look at where they came from, from being a team a few years ago that after the LeBron James saga and all that, Nobody really paid them much attention. They almost were like building from the ground up again. And then they made a run to the finals. And I'm sure that people, I'm sure that they heard people putting an asterisk by their finals appearance. Right. And, and, and I think that they were aware of that. So the only thing they can do is follow up the year after to prove that it's not a fluke. So what did they do last year? They go out there and they get the, blow, the doors blown off of them um, by obviously a really good team. Um, but it's hard to follow up success. We understand that. And now you have to follow up the lack of success that you didn't have from the year prior. And that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, so, we, 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 you know, you got Spo Eric Spoelstra, who's a championship caliber coach. That's obvious. Probably a lot of pressure on him with people saying that, you know, without LeBron, who is he and all these things. He's a video coordinator amongst other things. And he's really shown to be just that good. And Pat Riley being right there as the guy that's the head of that horse. Who? How, how many years? That, what are we talking? 40 years? You can't count up Pat Riley, yep. you know, that type of deal. So they got the pieces right there. They're very edgy. They got the shooters. Tyler Hero. They've got the sixth six man of the year. They have so many different things. I'm not sure I can see not only, you know, them beating the Philly beating Miami, but I'm not sure that those other teams we were just talking about can do it either. One thing Miami does better than anybody else in the league probably is develop guys that are unknowns. Struess, Vincent, D Duncan Robinson. These guys coming out of college, you didn't think were going to be NBA players, and they've all turned out to be really, really productive and co contributors to a group. And Miami doesn't have any stars. They've got good players. Butler and Adebayo are really good, but they're not yeah. number ones. They've yeah. done a great job of, of a chemistry, culture, chemistry, and a grittiness that they play with down in Miami in a place that many people think it's hard to be gritty because South beach and all that environment, you think more of a finesse team, but they are as gritty and as, as tough as they come in the league. I'm not sure that I really could have said it much better myself, JP. I think that that's pretty much really spot on a defensive minded team. Like you said, culture, that's probably the biggest elephant in the room. So credit to you uh, on that one. And, and, and that's one of the biggest reasons behind why I love that everything that Miami 
is is made of because they they've been able to win you know be a very successful team with star players with superstar players with all-star players without superstar players uh, it's just good all the way around and you can't really duplicate that type of chemistry and understand or overstanding uh amongst guys in in, in this league and I, I i just it's it's so hard not to like you start thinking about certain teams the chemistry golden state of course i'm not comparing but it's hard to argue their chemistry it's hard not to like a player like a steph curry but the way i think the new kids call it now jp getting it out the mud i call <laughs> it taking this i call it taking the stairs that's what miami has done no elevator no escalator they've taken the stairs up yep. they've fallen from the mountaintop they fell all the way down they're climbing back up again and they're winning some people over and i don't know if you got this on video or not but this we guy do. right here is i'm as i'm holding my hand up i'm we one do. of those guys that uh they've made a believer so congrats to them fans remember you can check us out on the on my youtube channel the all the video interviews you can see deshaun and i talking wearing his janet jackson poetic justice uh t-shirt <laughs> From back in with some Tupac on there from back in the day. So, yep, representing, looking good, looking sharp. So, um, I think Philadelphia will force a game seven in Miami. I think, I think you're going to see a game seven. I think that crowd in Philly will get an Embiid will play. I think you're going to see a, an inspired performance out of Embiid in, in game six. I think Maxi will play well. I think you'll see Tobias Harris play well. And I think you're going to see a game seven uh, in, in Miami come this weekend. So, all right, let's get to the West. Game five going on right now as we're filming this, as we're taping this, Golden State-Memphis. Quickly, your thoughts on, was it a cheap shot, cheap play, pool in, uh, with, the, with the injury to uh, John Morant? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I typically don't like to get into to too much of that. I like to think that, you know, there's enough uh, humility out here uh, with guys that's not trying to intentionally hurt other players right. like to think that Jordan Poole is a little bit better than that I mean some people are going to agree disagree whatever the case may be nonetheless I don't have the brain nor the pocketbook of a, of a Jordan Poole nor what he's about to make right uh, either so from that standpoint I don't like to be too judgmental but it's starting to look like that you know Memphis is not going to win another game in this series yeah I thought that it was a lot more realistic than people were giving credit for that Memphis wouldn't win another game in this series, even if John Morant was playing. Right. And I, I, I totally get it. They were, you know, they, you know, it, it got to a point where it looked like, hey, we should be looking at, you know, when it was 2-0, we should have been looking at, uh, uh, you know, Memphis being up 2-0. When it was 1-1, they should, Memphis should right. be up 2-0. Right. And, and that, you know, that that's that's fine to speculate. You know, if, if we could play the if game all day long, JP, if grandmama had coconuts, we would call her granddaddy. But, if, but, but, but guess what? But guess what? But she doesn't. So make sure those apple pies is real nice, hot, and fresh when they coming out the oven, yeah. please. And thank you. Listen, I think there was way too much underestimation of Golden State's chemistry that they yes. have created within the nut with within one another, and just the the obstacles from a uh, bill of health and injury standpoint that I think that people didn't really take into consideration as much, like almost like we forgot about the Golden State yes. Warriors. Like we, and, and it's not just about Kevin Durant. You know, they were winning championships before that. And the only thing they've ever done is shipped guys out and brought in new guys and taught them, you have to know how to win. It's not just about winning. It's about how to do it. 
the most experienced team probably in this league versus one of the most inexperienced and youthful teams in this league is not a surprise to me by any stretch of the imagination. So I expect for Golden State to roll on and, 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 it shouldn't surprise people if this team ended up being the ones to win another world championship. Yeah. I don't see how that would be shocking. 365 times two, what is that, 700 some, 800 some days ago? You'd have told me we were going to be walking around in order to go to stores, wearing masks on our face, and Las Vegas and, 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 and Times Square is going to be shut down. That surprises me. Golden State Warriors winning the championship, no surprise. And, and back to our culture comment about the Heat. They, the Golden State probably has the second best culture in the league. Player development. You got a lot of undre- you know, younger guys. Poole, we didn't, he, we thought he was a good player, not great. Kaminga's going to be a good player. Damian Lee off the bench. They developed Looney, who's become a productive player for them. So they're in that same boat. It's not just Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They got a lot of other pieces that contribute in Golden State. And I'm glad that you said that because these are a lot of guys. <clears throat> excuse me, not only that they've drafted. But all the guys that have been there, like he's talking yes. about Looney. Nobody's going to talk about Kevin Looney. Who's that? But he's a guy that does the little Perfect role player. Perfect. Guys are understanding their roles in this league. They don't have to be the guy. They know that they're not the guy. They're not right. trying to be the guy. They're not trying to do anything new. They're just trying to stick to what it is that they do. And I'm glad that there's two players that you mentioned <clears throat> in talking about since we've been talking so far, so far. And I have to give credit. I can't remember who it was, but it just got me to think about something because I heard it elsewhere. And I want to give credit. I just can't remember who I heard say it. But it was mentioned of how come there's players like uh, 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 um, like Jordan Poole, yep. Tobias Harris, some of these guys that when they do well, we always talk about how well they do when they underperform and don't do well, our expectations of them doing well from the beginning were not so high. So we don't really talk about how well they didn't play because the the necessity that it is for for these teams to win with those guys playing well is not at nearly as high because of our level of expectation for them. But when they play well, we give them all the kudos in the world. So that's just something that I thought was very telling. Um, and uh, I, I thought made a lot of sense at the time that I heard it. And it was, it was, it was very informational. And I know you're a Michigan state guy. Tell the audience just what the, even though people have varying opinions of what they think about Draymond green off the court with his antics, he is such a glue for them defensively. He can, he can facilitate their offense. He can always guard their, the, the best big, post player that the other team has he's such a versatile player for that golden state and without draymond green they're not winning a title yeah we've got listen well first of all i haven't seen him win a title yet without draymond green right Uh, outside that you got a few sparties you know you got you know jaron jackson jr in this series you've got xavier tillman who's a starter in this series as well so sparty is definitely being uh very you know represented very well uh right now but i will say enough to say that um you know, when it comes to Draymond, one thing that people don't understand about him is that he's a winner on all levels. Saginaw High coming out of you know high school, a winner. Okay, state champion. Okay, Final Four, Michigan State. This guy wasn't even averaging three points as a sophomore in, 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 right. in college. Not even a starter. Didn't even start any games, I don't think, prior to. So, um, but, but able to win on that level. 
that competitive nature that he has. Swiss Army knife. He affects the game in so many different ways. There's reasons behind why this is a team that can win with him scoring four points like he did in the last game. Because right. he's going to go out there and grab rebounds. He's going to be physical. He's going to be the defensive anchor. He's going to be the emotional leader for this team. And that's just something that I don't think a lot of people pay nearly uh, as much uh, 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 attention to. You don't love him when he's on the other team. But when he's on your team, everybody got it, whether that's Marcus Smart on Boston or right. whomever the guy may be, whether that's uh, 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 I'm trying to think of the guy's Rodman, name. Got Rodman suspended. back in the day, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Rodman, the guy that went to Oregon, Dylan Brooks. Over yes. Everybody's got to have one of those types of players when you're trying to make deep runs and, and like them, love them, hate them, or anything else in between. He's a winner on all levels. And people say, what's he going to be when he goes to another team? First of all, enjoy what you're seeing out of him where he is. Yeah. But I don't think that that'll change because that's just always been his play style. I, w I wish off the court his antics would be a little bit less. We don't need to hear that you make $25 million and that the $50,000 fine doesn't mean nothing, especially <laughs> when people are going through what they're going through in the country with all the stuff going on. That Have a little self-awareness if you're Draymond Green, but, I, but he's got to play with that edge. He wouldn't be the player if he didn't play with that edge. And I'll tell you this last little part. You know what? He wouldn't be the player, um, you know, if he didn't have that edge, but – it, it, there's pieces of him that just not be who he is. One thing I can respect about Draymond Green and other people that may say similar things or whatever the case may be, especially knowing from around the areas of which he comes from. Yeah. If he wasn't that, it, it, I, I can appreciate that he's being himself. He is. To go out there and be somebody else, say something different, just because maybe PR or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't think it was a, flash money in, in front of your face type of comment per se but you know I, I i will say enough to say that there's not very many things that i think he can say that would probably surprise me but he's got a heart of gold and, and he's a competitor on all levels and um i can appreciate that there you go and you, again you have to respect his game on the court because he's you know and think about it, they, they would have won another championship if he, he did this to himself by getting suspended in the cleveland series or Golden State would have won a, a third championship in a row with him. But, you know, that again, that's the only thing you can uh, – but, again, great player, you know, perfect, perfect piece for Clay and, and Steph around him to be the facilitator. All right, let's go to game six in Dallas. Phoenix leads three games to two. You know, you got uh, – not, not a lot of people thought Dallas would win two games in this series. Just your thoughts about that Dallas series. You know, Luka getting really playing well last night. Phoenix really locked down defensively in game five. You know, you didn't have a lot of production out of Chris Paul. You had a lot of Devin Booker. You had Bridges. You had Aiton. Your thoughts on – can Dallas force a game seven here uh, in Dallas tomorrow night? Can they? Maybe. Um, will they? I don't think so. I mean, think about something. Had I told you, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago, week and a half ago maybe, that it would be more likely for Dallas to win more games against Phoenix right. than Memphis would against Golden State. Right. Probably would have called me crazy. Now, granted, the Golden State game isn't over with yet, so they still got a chance. But um, you probably would have called me crazy in those regards. 
I, it, it, there's so much, and I'll be the first person again because we're on video. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I'll be the first person to tell you that I was completely wrong about uh, about Luka Doncic. I mean, from a from the crafty player, the overly cerebral, and he looks so darn slow. I'm talking about sloth, yep. molasses, yeah, just snail move slow. But he's so far ahead of a play that it's 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 that that is a must go and watch live player right there just because how smart he is he's a wizard with he the looks ball. like the like old man it. at the ymca his body yeah, type exactly. he doesn't look like he's in shape but he gets he never gets his shot blocked he always yep. finds a crease a crevice he always does. He finds the and, passing and, lane and he's so unbelievably strong. Yep. And I think those are some of the things that get, uh, uh, you know, underrated or underappreciated about a player like him. Now, nonetheless, they're going to be getting ready to pack their bags pretty soon and go home, whether that's in six games, whether that's in seven games, right. however many games that that may be. I think that that's what we're looking at. I'm looking at Phoenix. I mean, I took them to win the championship again this year from the beginning of the, of yep. the season. Um, and, and, and I think it's time for Chris Paul. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be given to him. I don't think he's that far away from being a player, much like what we've seen in the past when we're talking about Reggie and Charles and, you Patrick. know, Patrick yeah. and you, all of these different players that never Malone stopped all of these different players that never ended up winning a championship, despite right. how great that they were. And he's not far from being added to that list, but he still has that opportunity to do so. He's made a difference on every uh, on, oh, yeah. on, on every uh, team that he's been on, and he's the prototypical uh, natural born and bred point guard that in this league you don't see uh, nearly as much right. of because you have so many combos. Um, but when you have a guy like an Aiton, don't forget, a great draft class. I don't want to get too long with it because I know you might have more questions, but we talk about the 84 class and we talk about the, you know, the 03 class and we talk about the 96 class. Right. We're talking about Luca, Trey, Aiden uh, 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 was at the top of that. Jaron Jackson, yep. obviously still really good as well. Uh, I think uh, uh, Mikkel Bridges, yes. who was up for defensive player of the year. Uh, uh, Miles Bridges, who is up for probably most improved this year. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Yep. You still got a really good class. He was at the top of that class. People Excellent. Forget. DeAndre Ayton. So, and, and anytime, any, anytime somebody like a Jay Crowder, who always, some way, somehow finds a way, he's another one of those players. Like we we're talking about smart. We we're talking about Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green. He is that player for this team, talking about yep. Crowder, Absolutely. who always finds a way to put himself in position finds himself in position to play He's on a championship pest. contending He's team. A He's a pest. He's a three and D guy. And, and, and he plays a lot stronger than what he appears to be plays up. And I think that they're going to be the team to ultimately advance and end up meeting Miami in the final. Okay. So you got Phoenix, Miami. So you're giving golden state. I think it could be a classic Western conference final with golden. It will. State. It with will. Golden, with golden state Phoenix. And here's the thing about it is I don't think that it should be any other way. I think we would have been cheated if we didn't see, and this is my personal perspective, respect to Boston and all these other teams. Yeah. If we didn't see the defending world champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. If we didn't see the Miami heat, who's at the top of the East. If we right. didn't see the Phoenix suns who 
just got there a year ago and looking to find a way to close the door of the gap on that. And if we, and if we didn't see the Golden State Warriors, who I don't even need to give resumes of, if we don't see those four, I felt like we're going to be cheated. And I think that we're going to get all four. And I think that that's what's going to ultimately be very good for the NBA, much like, you know, this, 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 this Phoenix and and Golden State potential matchup. That's must watch. This is going to be, this is going to be one to remember. This is going to be one to remember. I agree with that. I'm going to differ with you in the East. I'm going to take Philadelphia and Milwaukee. I don't know why I think Philadelphia can win a seventh game, but I think somehow, some way, Embiid's going to get them, pull them through in the into the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to say this last little part. We're going to learn a lot about Embiid because the way that he, along with so many other people, me included, feel like he got snubbed from MVP. Now, I'm not, you know, as, as against Jokic, winning it as a lot of other people are over Embiid, but I do think Embiid should have won it. This is where, again, separating the men from the boy, remembering all the people. One thing that, you know, we talked about before about Draymond Green and what sets him apart is you can ask him right now. He can tell you the list of all 34 players that was picked over him in the draft, and he plays like it. Yeah, this is where Joel Embiid needs to channel some of that inner Draymond Green and right. show the people exactly why he should have been the person that was selected for the MVP. And I think that that's just that that, that that's just what it is. And and I hope that we get a chance to see that because it's going to make for some really good, hopefully seven games in the series. Two contract related things and a coaching thing. We'll get you out of here. Are you giving Are you giving James Harden? An extension, and are you giving Kyrie Irving a big extension? Uh, the Kyrie thing, I, I like to be as respectful about these things as possible. But hell no, I, I, I don't. Hell I'm no, not gonna, I'm not gonna go as far. Number one to say hell no, but I'm not gonna be quick to pull that trigger either. As yep. far as automatically give it to him, just because of I don't know your availability. Right when when the crap hits the fan. Right. Um, regardless as to what it is, uh, this thing's going on in the government and everything else. We feel cheated when we don't get a chance to see Kyrie Irving, but I do understand his stance as a man. Uh, but that would be more so of my issue. Okay. Um, outside of that, um, the James Harden, I don't know. J- James Harden isn't a player that knows how to win. And I- I'm not going to go as far to say that he doesn't want to, I think that there's some uh, – I'm not sure that his, his drive of wanting to win a championship is 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 he's got his foot on the accelerator as much as some of the others or that it means as much. And that's just the way it comes off. Uh, but a phenomenal player without question. Um, and, and, but, but he hasn't looked like – whether, whether it was in Brooklyn, whether it's been with Philly – and granted, give him some time because he hasn't been with Philly very long. Didn't spend much time with, with Brooklyn either. But he just hasn't looked like the, the the Houston Rockets James Harden that we were accustomed to see. He looks he looks time. like he likes the lifestyle of the NBA late the last couple of years than the More. than the competitiveness of the NBA of of true champions. I couldn't agree more. It just sometimes seems like guys are a little bit more focused on their fashion than they are adding a number to the left side of the result column. And the night and the nightlife and the opportunities that the nightlife presents you in the NBA. 
I, I'm the same way with Harden and Irving. I, there's no way I'm giving them four and five year extensions. One or two years, make them play, especially a guy like Kyrie Irving, where he's he's done it more than once. This ain't the first time he's let his teammates down. And I'm shocked that Kevin Durant, hopefully he's saying this stuff behind the scenes. Hopefully he's saying to Kyrie, hey man, I'm tired of this actor putting on. I'm we're both getting our, we're both in our early 30s. We're running out of time here. Yeah, and not only that, but then they're still trying to figure out what's happening with Ben Simmons and right. that whole that yes. whole fiasco. So, you know, I, I've heard some reports about maybe uh, you know, the Atlanta Hawks trying to maybe target. So that's a whole nother can of worms that you gotta open up. But I don't know. We'll 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 just have to see uh, and just speculate for now as to what things are gonna look like in the near future for that team. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. LA coaching situation. Who do you who do you you know you heard you've heard Mark Jackson was a finalist for Sacramento, didn't get the job. He's not gotten a job in several years. Who knows what the real reason why he hasn't got a job? People forget he was instrumental in starting that Golden State run sure. several, seven, eight years ago before Steve Kerr came on board. He was the first guy to get that group winning some game with Steph and Clay back in their early years. What are your thoughts on the Laker job? Is Mark Jackson a viable candidate? How much control do you give LeBron James? What do you think is going to happen with the Lakers? I've heard Kenny Atkinson's name mentioned a couple times. I'm not sure whose name we haven't heard. Right. Hell, throw throw me a couple dollars at this point <laughs> with some of the names that I've heard thrown out there. You won't have right. to pay me nearly as much. How much are these guys really going to have to coach these teams, especially with LeBron and some of the guys? You're going to have to have a little bit more focus on reconstructing the roster right. more than anything. I didn't think with Vogel that that was going to be the right fit anyway, personally. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've heard Quinn Snyder's name thrown around. Yeah. He's one guy that I really felt like had a real chance to bring in this team into uh, being what it once was and could have been considered. I don't know what's happening with the Westbrook and some of these other things, some of right. these other guys, but there's going to be a lot of pressure because this is the Los Angeles Lakers. As respectful as it is, the, the Bulls aren't the same. Bulls are not going to be considered the same. Bulls as the 90s, they're not going to have that kind of reputation no matter how much success MJ, Scotty, and everybody else brought them. There's right. very few. There's Boston, there's New York, and there's L.A. And right. I only mean there's one L.A. Uh, and, and so from that standpoint, um, it's a culture thing. And, and it's one of the, the biggest franchises in all of professional sports so they got to make it count um but sounds the time like is ticking Jackson's for a lot of those players sounds like phil jackson's back tinkering with genie i guess so some advice. i guess so <laughs> i guess so tinkering being a very good word that you use there <laughs> very great choice of words by my boy uh jp but uh i will say enough to say that i think that uh, me personally as of right now i think that uh, Quinn Snyder's probably that guy. Mark Jackson, I don't know. He's making a, he he's not barely getting lunch money yes. over there doing calling some of the games that he is. And I don't know what I'd like to see him coach again for sure. I, I don't know if that's the fit, but um, I think he might do himself a little disservice by that being the job that they give him a, a, a crack at, which probably set him up for a little bit of failure. I think of all the jobs that he could have been considered for, right. uh, but. I don't know what he did in this league to not get the opportunities of being looked over the way he has, yeah. but I can't imagine that it's been very good at all. 
That's right, man. All right, well, Deshaun, great work, my man. Tell everybody where they can find John Line. At Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. We call it where basketball lives. Find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Spreaker, any and everything. If it's 94 feet long, 50 feet wide, uh, 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 I, listen, I'm talking about December 1st, 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts, Lawrence, Kansas, Dr. James Naismith. You can find it anywhere you find your favorite pod. Yeah, Sean knows his stuff, man. He's all over the NBA, the college. Shout out to your guy, Adrian Payne, who lost his life tragically, was doing a good thing, it sounds like, trying to, to rescue a woman from some issues with, a, with another guy. Terrible tragedy, Adrian Payne, but good shout out to him for doing a good thing. I, in a, even though it cost him his life, he did a great thing, was trying to, trying to save another lady from some, some issues with another guy. So I know that's a guy you, you know in, with your Michigan State roots and all that stuff yeah right, folks, very unfortunate circumstance yeah very unfortunate again check out Deshaun Tate's podcast Deshaun's got Phoenix and Miami in the finals you got Phoenix winning it all Phoenix on the whole thing Chris Chris Paul finally gets the monkey off his back I'm gonna go Milwaukee Phoenix rematch and I'm with you I think Phoenix wins it all too so I think I think it's a great day out in the desert out in the valley and uh, thanks for the time, Deshaun. Keep up the great work, and we will talk real soon. Thanks for having me, JP. I appreciate it more than you know. All right. We'll be right back with Matt Zemick from USA Today Trojan Wire. We'll see you in just a minute. Hey, guys and girls, with the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs in full swing, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 1-800-MY-BETUS. You will receive 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus, bonus code POWERS22. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NBA, NHL games with team and player props and loads of other bets to make. Kentucky Derby coming up, the Masters, the Golf Majors, the Tennis Tournaments, all that kind of stuff. PGA Tour golf and player matchups and live betting on most sports. The only onside casino has hundreds of games and race books. It has all of your horse tracks all around the country to make bets on your daily horse racing activities. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my need, my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. Remember our promo code POWERS22, Bet US where the games begin. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate you finding us on your different podcast platforms. Excuse my voice tonight. I'm a little, got a little cold going on, so my voice is a little raspy, so I do apologize to the audience and to our first guest here, Mr. Matt Zemek, editor of Trojan Wire, is part of the USA Today uh, Network. 
Matt's a regular with us here on the podcast, talk all things college football. Uh, we're going to talk tonight a little NIL. There's some proposed proposals being thrown around. Uh, we're going to talk, he's out, he's based out of Phoenix. So we're going to talk some Phoenix Suns playoff action. And we're also going to hit on the historic deal for one Tom Brady with Fox Sports uh, that just broke today. So welcome back, Mr. Zemek. Good to be on your show, Mr. Powers. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Yep, you got it. You got it. All right, before we get to all the other good stuff, give me a quick um, give me a quick summary of USC spring football. How's everything going there? Was Lincoln happy? All the stuff I, you know, you they're they're the big story going in, into this offseason here is Lincoln Riley at USC. So give me a quick little recap of spring football. Yeah. So, you know, if you ask USC fans, like they're loving it, they're loving how the spring practice uh, sessions went and how the spring game went. And for outsiders who maybe weren't completely locked into everything that was happening at USC uh, in spring ball leading up to the spring game in the 36 hours after the spring game ended. And that was on April 23rd. So about two weeks ago, um, they got a, they got a transfer portal recruit. Uh, from Ohio State, a safety who was third on the Buckeyes in tackles. They got another uh, five-star pass rusher, narrowed his recruiting list down to USC and Michigan. There's two schools. And they had uh, several other high-profile recruits announce official visits for June. So recruits were watching that spring game. Recruiting analysts were watching it. Other coaches were watching it. People around the country were watching it. Transfer portal entrants were watching it. Uh, nudge, nudge, Jordan Addison of Pittsburgh. Uh, they were all watching that game. And so obviously the things that have happened in the two weeks since that spring game shows that people around the country liked what they saw. Like that spring game was a success. Uh, I talked to one national analyst on a different podcast and he's, you know, he covers all the spring games. Like he has uh, a bunch of different YouTube channels that follow different prominent teams. So like he's watching all the spring games. And he said, that's the most physical spring game out of all of them that I've watched this year. You know, mm -hmm. so some spring games are just pillow fights. There was some actual sticking. There was, there was some, you know, full padded contact. Um, you know, jerseys were popping. Uh, you know, there was some real legitimate hitting going on in this spring game. And, and so after seven years of Clay Helton, which USC was, Hello, soft. Tell tell mom toughness. hello. Tell tell Mrs. Zemek hello. She mom just walked in the picture for a second. Tell mom. Yeah, hello. yeah, yeah. She has things to do. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, didn't make much of a noise though. No. Uh, but good. anyway, Clay Helton <laughs> USC teams were you know Charmin soft, and so USC fans, the main thing they did want to see from the spring game was physicality, because that's been missing. USC swagger. USC acting like the big dog on the block again, uh, you know, after rising from the rubble of the four and eight season last year in which you, rival UCLA went into the Los Angeles Coliseum and hung 62 on the Trojans. I mean, that defense just did not show up. It cratered, you know, terrible coaching, no culture, uh, you know, and just the defense wilted at the first uh, sign of adversity. USC fans wanted a physical spring game. They got a physical spring game. Now, now the team isn't very deep. And, you know, the, the lack of depth on the defensive line first and offensive line a close second, that's the most urgent issue with this team by far. They need a lot of bodies. They 
aren't where they want to be there. But linebackers really played well. Like they've really beefed up that position group. They got Shane Lee, the transfer from Alabama. They got Romello Height from Auburn. Now he's going to be an esh, an edge rusher more than like a traditional linebacker. But still, he played linebacker uh, at times at Auburn. Um, and so like they're they're a lot better at linebacker right now. They also got Eric Gentry from Arizona State in the transfer portal. And he was arguably Arizona State's best defensive player. So another quality linebacker to add to the mix. Gentry obviously didn't play spring ball. So the linebacker group is much improved. But, um, you know, the two lines, those are the real deficits. That's where USC needs to load up in the portal, find more bodies who can eat snaps and get to, and create a situation in which they can rotate people in and out and also be more insured against injuries for the coming season. But if you look beyond that one crisis point in the trenches, linebackers are really good. The skill positions are excellent. You know, Caleb Williams did what he was expected to do in the spring game, made some highlight reel plays, got various receivers involved. He was Caleb Williams was five of five on the first drive of the, of the spring game. But the key point there is five different receivers caught those five passes. Right. Saw the wide receivers get involved. And then the, the two main running backs, they're both transfers from other Pac-12 schools. Travis Dye from Oregon is going to be the RB1. Austin Jones from Stanford is going to be the RB2. They were both great in the spring game. Great burst, acceleration, hit the hole hard. Uh, you know, they, they did exactly what was expected of them. So it's really just the line play. If USC can get decent line play and basically fight to a draw up front, you know, right. it doesn't necessarily have to dominate, but just don't lose. Don't lose up front. The skill players are there uh, to light up the scoreboard on a regular basis. Um, so Tro Trojan fans are cautiously optimistic. They just are worried about injuries on the two front lines. You know, that's really the one. It's like that's like the sword of Damocles uh, hanging over the USC season. You know, it's, it's the right. one thing that people are really freaked out about. If they get good injury luck, this season can be great. But if they if the injuries are nasty along the two lines, then, then you're going to see some real difficulty for this team. All right. As we go from speaking of the transfer portal and such, a lot of NCAA chatter in the last couple of weeks. They're going to try to reform some of the transfer portal, some of the NIL stuff. You know, I think the universities and it's kind of gotten to be a very big wild, wild west where almost anything goes as far as guys demanding certain amounts of money to stay at the school that they're at and all this stuff. So give the audience a little summary of what the NCAA is trying to do, trying to tighten up some of the windows where the, the transfer portal windows that guys can leave and where it can't be, you can't leave all year round where there's only certain windows of the year that you could potentially transfer. Yeah, well, Jason, I'm not going to dive into the minutia because, you know, like, you and I know. We're, we're grown, man. We know what's coming. The flood of litigation. Like, you know, so the NCAA kicked the can down the road for several years. You know, when the O'Bannon case emerged, like, that was the signal right then to the NCAA. Be serious. Do something about this. Plan ahead. Head off problems at the past. Nah, the NCAA punted. All right? And so now you have this wild, wild west, as you accurately say, so, like, the, the, the finer points and, and finer details of all this really seem to be irrelevant because the NCAA is trying to put the genie back in the bottle. Like, that's what this amounts to. Like, Pandora's box just got opened, and you can't shut it once that happens. So, like, 
Good luck, NCA. Good luck trying to enforce this. Good luck trying to make this stick. You know, it, it, this was just handled completely wrong. And, uh, and the NCA is now scrambling. And, you know, I'm just struck by how, you know, from some corners of the country, you're saying, oh, this, this is not the college football that I recognize and remember. They're destroying the sport as we have known it. Please, please. Right. It, it, you know, one of the main differences is simply that what was under the table is now in broad sunlight. Let, let's right. let's be right. honest like right it, what this wasn't some pure virgin oasis of nobility and morality 40 years ago okay it just it just happened in the shadows we didn't have social media didn't have espn 24 7 you know it, so it's a lot of these <clears> things <throat> know about them more because the information's out there let's let's stop with this pretense that college football was this idyllic you know great thing you know with morality and virtue you know, it's always been cutthroat competition. There's always been nasty battles behind the scenes. There's always been inducements, incentives, bagmen. You know, maybe the terminology has changed, but the, the basic elements of, you know, cutthroat competition for recruits, like that's been with us for a very long time. And obviously, you know, with this Jordan Addison situation, I know, you know, we might as well just talk about it and get right into it at USC you know, he's, he's uh, interestingly enough, he's visiting Austin and the University of Texas. He's worked out with Bryce Young in Alabama. So we don't know that he's going to go to USC. So the guys that don't anyway, know, Jordan Addison's an All-American receiver. Elite, University elite of receiver. University elite of Pittsburgh. Receiver. Played with Kenny Pickett. He's kind of yeah. their, their number, their stud receiver. He's just entered the transfer portal in the last week or so. And it sounds like he's going to probably go to the highest bidder here in the end. He could. And he's been projected as like a top 15, top 20 NFL draft pick next year. So whoever he joins, he's going to instantly, he's going to significantly elevate that offense. But the larger discussion with him and, you know, what, so, you know, uh, most things that are, we're talking about here, you know, they've been around in college football for decades, but what is unique about this situation is the transfer portal. Like we did right. not have the transfer portal 10, 15, 20 years ago. So that's different. And this is coming just before the transfer portal deadline, which was May 1st, that you had to put your name in the portal by May 1st if you wanted to be eligible to play at, it, at the school you're transferring to this fall. So that's a unique detail. And I get it that, that right before a deadline that, you know, there shouldn't be tampering, there shouldn't be, you know, intervention or interference. So that much I get. But what are the larger dynamics of the situation, right? This is nothing new. It's nothing new. Lincoln Riley didn't start it. Now, I'm not right. saying that Lincoln Riley's a saint or that he's Pope or anything like that. Right. But, like, he didn't create this problem. He doesn't embody this problem. He's just one of a lot of different coaches, football and basketball, who are part of these, these very familiar dynamics. And what's, what's the thing that is virtually impossible to prove and therefore to enforce? It's when a coach tells a player, hey, your buddies with this guy. Maybe you could go recruit him. You, you will never be able to prove that. All right. But Caleb Williams, USC's quarterback, is friends with Jordan Addison. He knows him. So, you know, what probably happened? Lincoln Riley probably did, you know, nudge uh, Caleb Williams and said, hey, you know, can we, if we can get Jordan Addison, that would be really great. Can you yep. reach out to him? I know you're a friend with, of him. But you can't prove that, right? You can't. It's, it's just something that's so back channel and shadowy in nature. You can't prove it. So, okay, let's say Lincoln Riley did tell Caleb Williams to recruit Jordan Addison. 
if you can't really enforce a, a rule, if you can't really make it stick, why is that rule on the books? Or at least why don't you have a better rule structure? I mean, there has to be something more serious, something more substantial we can do to regulate what people would out, outside USC and outside uh, the PAC-12 would might view as tampering. Like, I'm not saying that USC is virtuous here. I'm just saying that USC is not uniquely at fault. Like with the, everyone wants to put the black hat on Lincoln mm -hmm. Riley and call him the bad guy. What, what, you know, the other top programs are doing this. Let, let's just be honest about this. It's the, it's <clears> the singling out of USC, which really gets me here. That's the frustrating part. It's not that like the substance of what's going on is, is, uh, you know, uh, you know, unique to USC. It's, it's just that the, the Trojans are being singled out. So maybe, maybe if you're serious about enforcing tampering in the transfer portal, you just say like, Hey, no social media activity in the one week before, uh, the portal deadline among players, like players can't recruit in the one week. And even then, like, you know, they could use a burner phone or they could use yeah, a I private mean communications you know but like maybe you could do something just just to place a certain degree of restrictions on there but like right now like what kind of enforcement policy do you have for the kinds yeah. of things that people suspect will happen if you can't enforce something why why is it a thing why is it a rule you know there just there just has to be some realism in this discussion and i haven't really seen a lot of it Here, here's what i would say on the transfer portal I would I'm all for kids should be able to transfer at least one time free of charge. Every kid should be able to leave one time during their college career for a variety of reasons, whether whatever it is, you should have one opportunity to leave free of charge without having to sit out. Now, if you're transferring two and three times, I don't agree with that. I think you should at some point have to sit out, whether it's a season, whatever it is, unless there's an extraneous circumstance, but most people, again, one, one free transfer two. I would love to see some designated times in the calendar when you can, when you can transfer you, to me, you shouldn't be able to, I like the May one deadline, all spring football is typically over by then. Most schools are out of session by then. I think you should have a May one deadline to, to announce the transfer and then maybe make it by July 4th. You have to make your decision because it should not be all the way up until the fall practice starts the first week of August that kids are transferring and changing schools. I think by July 15th, you pick the date in July, rosters should be able to be set for these coaches yeah. and these programs. Yeah, coaches and programs need to have that. I, I would agree with that. Like there is, you know, I'm not a, a, a soccer expert by any means, but they have something called a transfer window. Yes, so right. It's a specific period of time in which, you know, play, player movements can occur. Yeah, like that, just put apply some structure to this whole process to be able to just make an abrupt decision at at October any point, in the middle of any point on the calendar yeah right. like that is just that that's just a destabilizing force and yeah right. coaches could have the rug pulled out from under them yeah let's let's give some structure to this process I don't think that's asking too much of right. players to have to make a decision by a certain date and I think yeah right after spring ball you get a week or two to think about it where you stand, where you want to go. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Uh, but, but yeah, to have an endless calendar. Yeah. How does, how does that help? In, uh, in, every, in every, in every sport will have a different set of dates because the, the, yep. the calendar in basketball is different than football. The yep. calendar in men's in you know, the ba college baseball season is different than football and basketball. So whatever sure. the calendar is for that sport, 
create a calendar sure. to where guys have to guys or girls have to make a decision by a certain day and allow yeah. them to make a decision in the in the fall semester between you know December 1st and December 15th maybe make December 15th the transfer deadline and you got to make a decision by December 27th or whatever the day is but yeah that's not punitive some... at all it's just providing frameworks and guidelines and parameters absolutely yep. that seems entirely reasonable uh the NIL there's been some there's some rumors that the NCAA again is trying to structure it a little differently to where these all these schools are creating what's called these collectives where basically like a political like a political super pact these these collectives can raise money and disperse the money to their athletes that they're bringing to campus so it's kind of like a recruiting tool and I think the NCAA is trying to classify these collectives as boosters and thus you can't have the there's specific rules related to boosters that you can't give money and all that stuff. So what are your thoughts on them trying to regulate these collectives and these, what these universities? Because you've heard stories about Caleb Williams, for example, you know, collectives they, that University of Georgia, well, I'm just picking a school, will raise $3 million and they'll disperse it amongst their 25 athletes for their NIL money. What are your thoughts on this whole collective thing and, clear, and classifying them as kind of boosters? This is so stupid. You know, this is like hurting cats. Like how, like how, you know, now that you've allowed this economic activity to proliferate and be, you know, in the open, how are you going to rein this in? And now that, like, now that you've created the expectation that players can be essentially free agents and can search around for the best deal, how are you going to now restrict this? Like, good, good luck. Like, like, good luck in court. Good luck litigating this. Right. If you if you want to make the attempt to like the horse is out of the barn here. Like I, I just don't see how the NCA <clears throat> can do that. I think you know to, to, instead of restricting, it's 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 less about restrictions. It's more about structuring. Right. Like, there just wasn't any structure. The NCA did not have an actual plan. It was just oh the court ruled against us. Well, so I got to allow it, I guess. And and you know it just there wasn't really a lot of forethought uh, or care poured into this so like and, and you know we've seen judges you know not only rule against the NCA but in their statements right. like they would admonish the NCA in court like how is the NCA gonna gonna reverse this tide what's like what's the argument that the NCA comes up with to convince judges in the litigation that's almost certain to come our way uh it, what what is the 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 rationale that's going to change minds on this i'm not seeing it i'm not finding it I, I i'm just that's that's just my general reaction to this good luck nca you 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 abdicated your responsibility you know you fumbled the ball here and now you're scrambling desperately you know it's fourth and 20 at your own three yard line in uh in in the final minute of the game good luck like you you made this bed and and you're you're just up a creek without a paddle What's going to be interesting to see here now that this has been going on about a year or so, it's going to be interesting to see if there's any issues either this year or in, in the next couple of years with student athletes filing these, these, this income as far as income tax issues. If you hear of any IRS issues where guys aren't filing this, this money regular, you know, legally and not paying the necessary taxes that they have to pay depending on where they live. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any issues coming up in the future, especially with the higher profile guys, that end up getting drafted and all that stuff. One, one key point to make here, I, I wish I had brought this up earlier, but I can bring it up now. You know, 
in a in a couple years, the Pac-12 and George Klyavkov are going to negotiate a new round of media rights deals for Pac-12 football, for Pac-12 athletics. So you know, there's going to be a roundtable of negotiations with ESPN, Fox, CBS, the various uh, players that are interested. I think one of the ways forward here in the larger theater of NIL and pay for play is to tether media rights deals to compensation for athletes because hey these are television deals to watch these guys play right why not set aside certain a certain percentage of these media rights deals for the athletes and, and maybe that way you can get like some not just guaranteed income but locked in income as a right. percentage like it's not it's not completely unrestricted i mean it's open to negotiation but like when espn negotiates a, a, a college football contract with a given uh, conference um, that, that there could be just set aside money and that, you know, you, that's going to every school in the conference. So it enables the schools in the lower tier of the conference, right. you know, to still have a foot in the door in terms of competition. Like, so like they would have a pool of money to give to players through NIL. So like Washington right. state's getting money, not right. just USC. Purdue's getting money, not just Ohio State. Right. So I think that tying media rights money, you know, a set percentage, maybe 5%, maybe 10%, uh, and right. setting that aside for NIL to all schools in, in various conferences, that's a way to, at least to a certain extent, maybe you're not going to fully level the playing field, but it's a, it's a way of giving the lower tier schools in various conferences at least a foot in the door, at least some benefit material benefit uh from everything so that's not just the superpowers cleaning up everything in this landscape you get that's a, that's a great that's a great point i think you will see that i mean again you're going to see de- you're going to see deals with amazon's going to probably get involved in the college football world apple's going to get involved some of these streaming services so that's a great that's a great idea for sure someone someone made the point that netflix which you know stocks really taken a beating recently that netflix needs to get into sports that's going to be something interesting to watch in the next few years you listen to the powers on sports podcast i'm jason along with matt zemick uh editor at usa trojan wire usa usc trojan wire is part of the usa today platform speaking of media deals the GOAT, the man in my neck of the woods, who was retired all of 40 days and now is back, has just announced a 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox to now be the lead analyst for Fox whenever, quote-unquote, his playing days end, replacing, you know, going to probably replace, going to work with Kevin Burkhart. We're going to probably replace Greg Olson, who's probably going to be the interim for a year or two, depending on how long Brady plays. Just your thoughts on Tom Brady signing, announcing this deal as a lead analyst. I didn't, I never thought Tom would be in the booth, but he's announcing this deal for 375 over 10 years. Well, a lot of different things to, to pick apart here. One is that Tom Brady has a biting, sarcastic, sense of humor and so if he brings that to the booth if like if this is the real tom brady and not kind of a scrubbed down uh, cosmetic tom brady but if it's right. like an unfiltered tom brady that's going to be great television that so that's that's the first thing so i hope that he's his fully authentic self yep. in the booth and now in terms of the economics wow that is a lot of money to fork over to an analyst and uh you know do people really watch 
NFL games because of who the play-by-play and uh, color commentators are? Like, do people really care whether it's Troy Aikman or Chris Collinsworth? I don't think so. Like, if it's if it's Cowboys Packers at 4:25 Eastern time in, in uh, November or December, like you're watching the game, it's the Cowboys and the Packers, right? Not because of who's on television. So, you know, my first instinct is to think that it's an overpay, but I will acknowledge that Tom Brady, like we have Tom Brady and you don't, like that's been an argument for why the Patriots and now the Buccaneers are Super Bowl favorites. So Fox is carrying that over to uh, the broadcast booth. And I can certainly see how Fox feels that there is considerable upside here and, and Fox might be proven right. But boy, it's still a lot to fork over for a product that really sells itself. Right. Like, you know, the NFL is still king in this country. Uh, there isn't really a sense that the popularity is waning in any in any real sense. Like the NBA is not gaining more of a foothold. Uh, you know, hockey's not gaining more of a foothold. Baseball certainly isn't gaining more of a foot foothold. Like everyone bows down to the NFL. Uh, so, like, do you really need to be paying your lead analyst that much money? I I really don't think so. But I understand why Fox made the move that it did. And, and, and there's been some history over the years of it not working out real well. Joe Montana, everybody thought would be a great analyst and all that stuff, and he did not do it very well. Drew Brees has gotten off to kind of a rocky start doing his work with NBC. Jerry Rice has not done well. Emmett Smith has not done well. So it's not a guarantee just because you're a big-name athlete that you're going to be a, a tremendous, you know, analyst and all that stuff. And, you know – I would be shocked if there's not an out clause in that deal for Fox or Tom Brady to say after five years, if it's not working out, we'll come to a settlement of something because I'd have a hard time believing one. I I don't see Tom Brady wanting to do this for that long, maybe a few years. And again, he might be great for all I know, but we've heard all the stuff with Giselle wants to be there for his family in the off season. Well, that's 20 weekends a year. You're not going to be with your family and he's got kids that are in the, you know, 9 to 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old range where you'd think in the next few years he'd want to be there on the weekends to see his son play football or see his daughter do whatever she's doing. So I would be surprised if Tom Brady lived out this full 10 years of the deal. You never know, but we'll see. Oh, it's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, you know. I mean, Tom Brady has already gone through different thought processes yeah. and different uh stages of of mind of mindset uh after his initial retirement of course then he unretired so like there there this is a complicated puzzle that he's still trying to figure out it does i think reinforce what you just said that is he going to stick to a long-term commitment because it, it really seems as though tom brady has not known exactly what he wants to do after he fi- after he finally hangs up the cleats for real um, so, like, the idea that he's going to be locked into an extended uh, uh, relationship with Fox, yeah, I think skepticism is an appropriate posture uh, to take. Here's a, 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 a tweet that I put out today that I think is really interesting to think about this year, especially what if Fox has the Super Bowl this year. Yep. What if the Buccaneers get knocked out in the wild card or divisional round? Are they going to bring in Tom Brady as a grand, grand entrance to Super Bowl this year? Are you going to go with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson on the Super Bowl when you have Tom Brady sitting in the wings and available theoretically, or would you be, would this not be a great opportunity to debut Tom Brady at maybe even a three-man booth? 
Maybe three man off. booth. Yes. I think three man booth fits. If, if the bucks lose in the divisional right. or earlier, not if they get to the NFC title. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yes. But that would be an unbelievable spectacle for Tom Brady to make his debut in the Super Bowl this year. Cause Fox, it'll probably be another three or four years before Fox gets another Super Bowl. So this would be a perfect time if he, if they were to get knocked out early in the playoffs, that you could bring Tom Brady straight from the field to the booth, even if he doesn't retire. I'm sure there's an out, there's a clause in the contract where he could work that Super Bowl if the Bucks are, if he's out, of, if they're out of the playoffs. So something to think about as we approach, get get into this football season. No doubt. And hey, I mean, CBS didn't have guys in the booth way back when, but like I remember watching on YouTube clips like Tom Landry after the Cowboys were eliminated from the 1979 NFC playoffs. He was part of the NFL Today uh, studio with right. uh, Jimmy the Greek, Brent Musburger, right. uh, Irv Cross, uh, you know, for the NFC title game between the Rams and the Bucks in, in uh, 79. So like if, if right. Brady will at least be in the Fox studio, I, I think that's a guarantee if the Bucks lose in the divisional. No doubt, no doubt. So interesting, interesting, interesting news. And again, maybe it's just, you know, who knows? It might be seed money for Tom Brady to help finance his other things he's got going on. I mean, not that he needs it, but, you know, he's got a – Wouldn't gonna be all, too surprised. He, he's got a, basically a $350 million war chest now to, to work 20 weekends a year type thing. Last thing, and I'll get you out of here. You're based in Phoenix. Right now as we're taping this, game five, NBA playoffs. Phoenix, Dallas, your thoughts on the Suns? I mean, you're dialed in there with the Suns. They're the favorite in the West. Obviously, them and Golden State seem to be on a collision course. Any any trepidation about Phoenix getting through the Mavericks? Uh, you know, there's a, li- there's a little bit because the Suns uh, struggled so profoundly in games three and four in Dallas. Like, Dallas was in control of those games almost the whole way. And I think the real questions are surrounding Chris Paul. And not, not, not his quality, not his brilliance, but just there might be a sense that what happened to him with the Houston Rockets, where his body wears down under the grind of the playoff uh, push, uh, working toward the NBA Finals, where his body wears down and he's not going to be there for you every night. I was talking about this with a friend the other day that, you know, he uh, had some bad games against the Pelicans, but then, you know, he started the Mavericks season, the Mavericks series really strongly but then had the two bad games in Dallas. So like you get a couple good games from Chris Paul and then a couple not so good games. And that relentless consistency isn't quite there. And, and one of the things that's been in the back of my mind the whole season is that, you know, if you've paid attention to the NBA, you know, that the Suns are the best fourth quarter team in the NBA. Like, the, you know, leading, leading in the fourth quarter or trailing entering the fourth quarter, the Suns were the ultimate closers. And, you know, that's over 82 games with a lot of plane flights against a lot of bad teams. And it's very different when you get that focused competition from one team over the course of seven games. It's a different animal. So the Suns were, you know, well above average in terms of being able to dig out games in fourth quarters. That that was the one point of concern I had entering the playoffs. Still felt that they were, you know, obviously at the forefront of the odds list to, to win the title. That They obviously had a great chance, but that was one point of concern. And so between that and Chris Paul, there's some reason to doubt but, you know, no one else in the West or the NBA is playing at a particularly high level. Like, this feels very wide open. Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Heat. Um, and the Warriors are up 3-1 with John Morant being out. Like, if, if you had John Morant in, you know, in game four, given the way the Warriors played, the Warriors were lucky to win that game. 
Like yeah. no one's crushing it. No one is dominating the playoffs. And so the Suns, you know, we're recording this right as game five is starting. So by the time that you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast, you'll obviously know who won game five. But my sense going into this game, just for the benefit of hindsight, uh, is that, you know, the Suns were strong in a 2-2 game five against the Pelicans in the first round. And I think they'll be very strong in a 2-2 game five against the Mavs. Now they might lose in game six, but that would bring it back to Phoenix yeah. for a game seven. Like this should not be too much of a problem. It's really puzzling that the Mavs, uh, you know, who don't have a low post hammer, you know, DeAndre Ayton should be eating. He should be feasting inside. You combine him with Chris Paul and, you know, Devin Booker got, was injured during the Pelican series, looked right. pretty good early in this series. If Devin Booker is physically fine, and it appears to be, like yep. Phoenix should not be getting pushed to the absolute brink by Dallas. But if we, if it comes to a game seven on, on the upcoming weekend, Suns should be able to handle it. And then that raises the possibility of a Warriors series. And it's going to be really fascinating if we get that series. You know, Gary Payton, too. The Warriors really need his defense. You know, that's going to be a key loss for them going up uh, against the Suns. But on the other hand, because Gary Payton, too, has been injured, that's meant more minutes for Jonathan Kaminga, more minutes for Otto Porter. Right. And they've played really well. And in particular, Kuminga getting confidence by getting thrown into the fire and realizing, hey, I can hang with these guys. Right. You know, if the Warriors have a confident Jonathan Kaminga in the West Finals, maybe that compensates for the absence of Gary Payton, too. It, it would be a fascinating series against the Suns. And the winner of that series is, is most likely going to be your NBA champion. No, it's no, it's a great point. I mean, I think everybody wants to see Suns and Warriors at full strength. Obviously, uh, Gary Payton the second won't be there, but other than that, everybody's pretty much at full strength. And it'd be, I think, it could be a classic series. As much perimeter play and as many perimeter stars as there would be in that series with Booker, Paul Thompson, and Curry, and Jordan Poole's emergence and all that stuff. So I think everybody wants to see that. Not that, not that Luca's not great because Luca is great, yep. but sure. the team, the team itself. I don't think Rogers, yeah, exactly. So, um, well, Matt, great work, man. Keep up the great work covering USC this summer. Tell the audience where they can find John Line. Yeah, so we're on Twitter at Trojans Wire. Pretty simple there. And uh, trojanswire.usatoday.com. Plenty of offseason content. Later this spring and into the summer, we're going to do a deep dive on Lincoln Riley. It's going to be a fascinating extended uh, series of analysis and profiles and podcasts on Lincoln Riley. So we're going to really educate not just our audience, but ourselves on everything about Lincoln Riley this summer. It's going to be the summer of Riley at Trojans Wire. Are you going to get a tour? Are you going to get a tour of the mansion in the, in the airplane? No, we don't need to. <laughs> we're just going to get views from experts, people who know Lincoln Riley well, who follow him in Oklahoma. You're going to get a real deep dive on Lincoln Riley. We're really, really looking forward to our late spring and summer coverage of Lincoln Riley heading into this historic season for USC. We'll definitely have Matt back on in the football season. Matt does a great job covering all things, all things college football, but especially the West coast USC and obviously USC will be one of the huge storylines as we get into the, into the false uh, NCAA uh, football season, Matt, appreciate it. Keep up the great work, man. And we will talk real soon. Always enjoy coming on your show, Jason. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Thanks for joining us. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review Powers on Sports Podcast, all your podcast platforms. Check out the YouTube channel. Well, you can get, you'll see this video interview of me and Matt, as well as me and Deshaun Tate. 
and all things uh, Powers on Sports podcast. And we will see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.